there is a, a saying that speaks of a person falling asleep at the wheel. And the meaning of that saying is that someone isn't taking their job or their responsibilities very seriously. They were asleep at the wheel when they should have been alert. And as a result, something didn't get done, or worse yet, something bad might have happened. When I hear the, the term asleep of, at the wheel, it, it brings to mind three things. And the first is a country music band from the late 70s. We won't be talking about them. But there are two other stories from my life. One is a funny story, and the other one could have actually ended in tragedy. The life-threatening, the tragic asleep-at-the-wheel moment occurred way back in 1979. A friend and I were returning from a spring break trip to Daytona Beach, Florida. It had been a fun week, but it also had been kind of a, a reckless week. My asleep-at-the-wheel moment happened as we were driving north in Illinois. We were maybe an hour or so from home. It was about four in the morning. We'd been driving all night. It was still dark and it started to snow. Fortunately, the roads weren't too slick, but they were getting worse. And I was driving and I was tired and I literally fell asleep at the wheel. I woke up with a start as the car headed on the shoulder directly toward a concrete bridge abutment. I quickly swerved to get the car back on the road. If we would have hit that bridge abutment, my friend and I would have likely died or at a very minimum been very seriously injured. As soon as it happened, the very moment it happened, I knew God had saved us. I just knew it. God woke me up and I thanked him. Now my second asleep at the wheel story is so much lighter. If you've ever fed a baby, you know that sometimes they fall asleep while feeding. Both of our boys did this quite often. And Mary called it, said that they had fallen asleep at the wheel. Nearly 2,000 years ago, Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. It was the hour of his passion. Jesus took his inner circle of disciples, Peter, James, and John, with him to go further into the garden as he prayed. Three times, three times they fell asleep. The disciples were asleep at the wheel during the moment of Jesus' greatest need. We're going to read the Gethsemane narrative in Mark chapter 14, verses 32 to 42. Mark writes this. He says, And they went to the place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here. And watch. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, that the hour might pass from him. He said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. And he came and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, he said, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? 
Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. And again Jesus went away and he prayed, saying the same words. And again he came and he found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. And he came a third time and he said, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And then Jesus was arrested. Hans Beyer of Covenant Seminary wrote concerning this passage. He said, readers of Mark's gospel are here given a unique window into the nature of Christ's suffering and his heart. In utter loneliness and exposed to the full judgment of his father for the rebellion of humankind, Jesus begins to feel the full weight of what it will mean to be forsaken by the father. In Gethsemane, Jesus cried out in agony that this cup, and the cup was the uh, cup of God's wrath towards sin. He prayed that that might be removed from him. But Jesus also knew that he was sent to do his Father's will. He had a mission, and Jesus committed himself to that mission of redemption. You know, in these passages we just read, there is so, so, so much going on. Uh, for tonight, though, we're just going to focus on one very small part. The loneliness of, of suffering that Jesus faced for you and me. And as we study this narrative, it will help us endure suffering in our life. Jesus went to Gethsemane to pray. He took his disciples with him, all except Judas Iscariot. Jesus, Luke then tells us that Jesus took with him Peter and James and, and John. And he began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even unto death. Remain here and watch. And taking his inner circle further into the garden, Jesus shows us that even the Son of God needed a few good friends with him in his time of suffering. Suffering can be lonely. Having a few good friends with us makes it more bearable. A little over 10 years ago, I, I had a, a bout of depression. And my bout of depression was mild, but it was real. And it was also kind of strange. See, at the time, I was graduating from seminary. My oldest son was about to graduate from college. My younger son was about to graduate from high school. It should have been a, a time of great celebration, but it wasn't. I was depressed. It might have been the result of all the changes that were taking place in my life. They were good changes, but even good changes cause stress. And stress can do weird things to us. Now, I did learn something valuable during that time. I began to understand just one of the many reasons why depression is so difficult to escape. More than one person told me during that time that depression was like being in the very bottom of a pit. 
You're alone. It's dark. Hope seems to be missing. When a person is depressed, they could really use a few good friends. But for many, it's also a time when they tend to push their friends and family away. We push them away because we don't want to drag them down into the pit with us. We push them away out of love, but that doesn't help the person suffering from depression recover. What I'm about to tell you next is very easy to say, but it's incredibly more challenging to do. When we battle depression or when we are facing any type of suffering, it helps to draw close to our inner circle of family and friends. In his hour of need, Jesus called on Peter and James and John. See, friends help in suffering, but prayer, prayer is essential. Luke continued in our passage, he said, And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, that the hour might pass from him. See, Jesus talked to his father. And did you notice there in those words that Luke, Luke doesn't indicate that Jesus prayed a long, eloquent, deeply theological prayer? From what we know, Jesus' prayer might have been very simple. It comes, came straight from the heart. Jesus poured it all out. He asked that if it were all possible that this hour, that the time of his passion might be taken away. He prayed the pr- same prayer at least twice that night. You, know, you, you might say that Jesus was being real. Matthew's gospel says Jesus fell on his face. Luke states that Jesus prayed so intensely that his sweat became like great droplets of blood. Jesus held nothing back. Jesus didn't try to tell his heavenly father what he thought the father wanted to hear. Jesus told his heavenly father the truth. Facing the cup of wrath for your and my sins was unbearable. And he asked if there was another way. Could he do it? You and I will never know the depth of suffering that Jesus experienced. But we do suffer. And when we suffer, we should tell God, don't hold it in. Pour out your heart to God. Jesus knew his heavenly father would hear his prayer. And it's the same for us. God hears our prayers. I know that times when we're suffering, God might seem distant. But that's simply not true. God is there for us. And we cry out. The Psalms are filled out with cries to God. Psalm 13 cries out, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Psalm 22, which Jesus quoted while he was on the cross, pleads, it says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. 
Jesus not only poured out his heart to God, but Jesus remembered the power and the authority of our Heavenly Father. In verse 36 of our passage, which you read, and he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Jesus knew that only his Father could deliver him from the cup of judgment. When you and I pour out our suffering to God, we remember who it is we're talking to. We're not talking to a weak God. We're not talking to some made-up God. We're talking to the all-powerful creator of everything. We remember that, but we also come to God in complete submission. Jesus prayed, yet not what I will, but what you will. Jesus knew the perfect plan of God. And even though Jesus is one with God the Father, Jesus submitted himself to God the Father's will. Jesus submitted knowing what lie ahead. God knows what's best. We don't. We see suffering from an earthly perspective. It's a limited perspective, but still we know that suffering hurts. Suffering needs to, uh, seems to never end. And we all get that. You know, like many of you, I have been praying for an end to this coronavirus pandemic. But I trust in God. I know that God can bring something good out of this terrible situation. People may be drawn to Christ in their hour of need. I've already heard in just this past week a couple of stories of people who are now more open to the gospel than they were perhaps a month ago. Suffering is horrible. Suffering is the result of sin. And yet Jesus knew that by suffering on the cross, he would save you and I. 1 Peter 3.18 states, it says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. Jesus also experienced the pain of friends falling away when they are most needed. We know that in times of suffering, sometimes our friends fail us. Three times, Peter, James, and John fell asleep on Jesus. The first time Jesus found them sleeping, he said, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. We read this passage, and sometimes we wonder how how could those disciples have fallen asleep at such a time? But we forget that they were human. Maybe they were exhausted. They had received troubling news from Jesus. They were stressed. You and I, we need our friends and family when we face suffering. But we also remember our friends and our family are not perfect. They may fail us just as we may fail others when they are suffering. And so we, we forgive them. And we hope that they will forgive us. 
if you read your Bethesda March news, you might remember that I, I touched on this topic. I, I wrote, I said, we are no different than the disciples. We fall asleep when people are perishing without Jesus. We fall asleep by putting the stuff of this world ahead of God. We fall asleep by not caring, by not loving, by not obeying Jesus. Right now, there are so many people who are praying. People are reaching out with generosity. People are checking in with friends and family on the phone a lot more regularly than they used to. And even though we're not physically meeting as the church, we have had hundreds watch our worship service videos. The number of people that are listening to our podcasts has gone up by nearly five times. A crisis can draw people to God. A crisis can bring out the, the best in people. But what happens in a few years when this pandemic is hopefully just a distant memory? Will we get lazy? Will we fall asleep at the wheel? Our passage ends with these words, and and he came, Jesus came the third time, and he said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. After praying to his heavenly Father, after submitting to the Father's will, Jesus faced his trial with faith. He faced suffering with faith. He didn't try to escape those who came to arrest him. He didn't resist. In fact, after one of Jesus' followers cut off a soldier's ear, Jesus healed the man's ear. Jesus said, Do you not think that I can appeal to my Father and he will at once send more than 12 legions of angels? But how then should the scriptures be fulfilled? That it must be so. Jesus faced his Suffering on the cross with faith. He was doing his Father's will. Jesus was completing his mission of paying the penalty for our sins. And so the question comes to us. When life needs, leads to suffering, how do we respond? Do we blame others? Do we blame God? Do we throw a pity party? Or do we hold it all in and push those away who love us? Or do we face life's trials in faith? Do we draw closer to God? Do we trust that God is going to get us through whatever we face? Jesus went to the cross because of us, because of our sins. He suffered and died to provide forgiveness. Jesus took our place. We deserve what he received. And yet through Christ, we have life. The cross wasn't the end. It was a new beginning. It was a gift that is received through faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus saved us. We just have to trust our lives to him. And then nothing, pain, 
death, disease, suffering. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. It is by his wounds that we are healed.